My podcast began as a platform that I could express my beliefs on, I could show many sides, many perceptions to a political debate and we could argue, we could talk about it and we just could show different sides to one story. However, the recent cases that have been going on in the news and especially the growing systematic racism in America has wanted me and has urged me to make this. However, I wanted to do my research. I wanted to educate myself before making this to make sure I fact-checked every single thing I spoke about. I think it is very important for you to use your platform to use any resources you have in order to spread awareness and in order to be actively active in dismantling racism in dismantling systematic racism in all our institutions which starts with yourself which starts in your household which starts with you challenging uncomfortable ideas I have linked many resources in the description of this podcast that I honestly urge you to go and look at. I have made a Google document and listed all my reading lists, listed my podcasts that I've listened to, some books, some articles that I've read, and I urge you to join it. I urge you to look at everything and do your own research, educate yourself about this. Please feel free to message me, I will add your own recommendations on the list so all of us can continue educating and we can continue this conversation and make sure it never dies. In light of George Floyd's recent murder, as well as the police brutality protests that have been going on internationally, today's podcast is about why it is almost impossible to sue the US police also out of respect and I just feel it it is appropriate to not include music in this episode and therefore I will not be doing so. No matter the amount of evidence, no matter the amount of lives lost, the excessive force used, there is no way to win. Today we are going to be talking about the legal doctrine of qualified immunity and why this makes it almost impossible to prosecute a member of the US police force. This video is also a point of my own personal commentary on the situation. I have learned so much over the past week that I had no idea of beforehand, which to an extent makes sense. I'm not a US attorney, I'm just a student, and these laws can't directly affect me, but just because something doesn't directly affect you doesn't mean that you shouldn't speak up about it. I'm absolutely appalled and I'm shocked and disappointed and frustrated and angry that this is legal doctrine in the US and that it still exists and that it still works even today even in the future until we see reform. It is still a free card to individuals that have committed wrongdoing and will never ever see accountability or liability for their actions because of this legal doctrine. Education, awareness of oppressive systems and legislative reform is what is actually going to help us see change. And that is what this podcast is all about. 
I encourage you to watch, I encourage you to listen and I encourage you to engage with books, with podcasts, with articles and share this with people that you think maybe weren't aware or could be aware. I've also linked all of the petitions in the description and the detail of this podcast and I've also included a petition that directly addresses the US Supreme Court and asks them to look at legislative reform and change for the qualified immunity doctrine that is linked in the description of this podcast and if you could go and sign that and share that that would be incredible to best explain qualified immunity we are going to be starting with the case of johnny leha on the 24th of march 2011 johnny leha was in hospital he was very sick he was confused and he had pneumonia he was agitated and he was refusing to return back to his hospital room he was in the corridors of the hospital the hospital staff did not know what to do they called the police officers to come in and intervene and help them restrain johnny leha the officers shot Johnny with a stunt gun, they followed him down the corridor and then wrestled him down to the floor and attempted to restrain him and put handcuffs on his hands. The police officers were bearing all their weight, all their force on Johnny and they managed to get one handcuff on him when Johnny went completely limp and he died. He passed away under the weight and the excessive force used by the police officers. The chief medical examiner's office declared that Johnny died because of respiratory insufficiency. Essentially, he couldn't breathe. The county sheriff and the police chief defended the actions as being appropriate to this situation and the police officers involved were never charged. Johnny's mother took the only other route in the situation, which is that she sued she alleged that the officers used excessive force and that this force violated her son's Fourth Amendment right. This is a constitutional right which protects the individual against unreasonable search and seizure. However, almost immediately, her case hit a barrier. And that barrier was the legal doctrine of qualified immunity. So let's give some context here about qualified immunity. In limited situations in the US, if you've had a violation of your constitutional rights, you can sue. This dates all the way back to the Civil Rights Act of 1871. Congress gave Americans the right to sue public officials who violate their legal rights. In section 1983 of the US Code, Congress said that if a public official violates your rights, whether it be via police brutality, an illegal search, or an unlawful arrest, you can file a lawsuit to hold that public official financially accountable for their conduct. The language the Congress used here was unequivocal. Any state official who deprived an individual of their constitutional rights should be liable to that party. However, even if your constitutional rights have been violated, this can be blocked by the doctrine of qualified immunity. Qualified immunity dates all the way back to 1967, which ironically is the same year that a Miami police chief coined the phrase, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Now in 1967, a police officer had arrested a group of black clergymen. 
and this was for peacefully using a whites-only waiting room in a bus terminal. When the clergyman then tried to sue the police for a violation of their constitutional rights, the court ruled that the officers shouldn't face any legal liability because they had enforced the law in good faith and with probable cause. And that is what set the foundations and the legal test for qualified immunity. If an officer could persuade a court that they had acted in good faith and with probable cause, then they could not be liable for a violation of someone else's rights. Now, since 1967, the law has obviously evolved pragmatically, arguably, and it has now been developed and it is now defined by the US Supreme Court. Essentially, it sets a two-limb test. So if you've been in a situation of police brutality or excessive force used by the police, you then claim and then you take that to the court. In part one of the test, the court will consider whether police has used excessive force. And this is in violation of the Fourth Amendment of the US Constitution. So that part one is a relatively easy standard to meet because if you have any kind of evidence which would show that excessive force has been used, then you probably hit part one of the test. You can probably prove that force was used and it was unreasonable and of probably unreasonable cause or that it was excessive and that indeed is a violation of your civil rights. However, this then becomes a lot more problematic at part two of the test. And part two of the test is what essentially blocks all claims that are taken to court. In part two of the test, the court determines whether the police should have known that their actions violated the constitution because court precedent clearly established their conduct as unlawful. The important words here are clearly and established. Now, what does clearly established even mean? Clearly established precedent means that the court has to look back at previous successful cases and they have to be able to apply the facts of those previous cases to the current case. So essentially, they are trying to match a fact pattern. They are trying to say that the facts of this current case are similar to that current case, for example, in 2001, where we prosecuted that policeman from Miami. And therefore, we can rely on that previous case in 2001 and we can say, yes, the facts are similar and we can prosecute it again. Now, the problem with clearly established precedent, and this is at the very heart of why qualified immunity doesn't work and why qualified immunity is so problematic is that in court you can essentially allege any kind of difference between the current case at hand and a previous case for precedent. For example, the fact pattern can be almost identical but if you can show there is one difference in facts between the current case and a previous very, very, very similar case, then the court can rule that there is no clearly established precedent, even if that difference is incredibly minute. For example, in the past, the difference between two cases can include the distance between a man and the police officer in the case, the literal physical difference between the officer and the man. 
even if every other fact in that situation and that case was completely the same, the distance between the policeman and the man was slightly different in case A and case B, meaning therefore there is clearly no established precedent, the cases are not similar. The judge noted that because on one case, the case occurred in a target parking lot and the other occurred by a roadside, even though the facts of both situations were identical because the locations were different, there was no clearly established precedent. This is something that is so unexplainable. And what is this? Because to be honest, every time a crime occurs, there are going to be slightly different facts and there is going to be a slight difference. And therefore, the cases have no clearly established precedent to ever rely on. When I was doing my research, it was best summarized by the Institute of Justice in the US and they said qualified immunity means that government officials can get away with violating your rights as long as they violate them in a way that nobody has thought of before. Now at this point, you might be in a similar situation to me, which is that you are sat there listening to this and you're thinking, why on earth does this legal doctrine actually exist? Why is this still going on and entrenched into the US Constitution with nobody questioning it? Nobody is questioning the Supreme Court where the court is continuing to enforce this doctrine today and will continue to enforce this doctrine until there is legislative reform. The Supreme Court has essentially actually offered a number of justifications of why qualified immunity is necessary. So justification number one is that without qualified immunity, the police force would not be able to do their jobs properly. And this is because it should be recognised, and we will recognise in this podcast, that the police force have a very tough job. They are, of course, in recognised situations where their life can be legitimately at harm, and therefore the Supreme Court has argued that police officers would not be able to do their job properly if they didn't think that they had some kind of legal protection for their actions. However, psychological studies have essentially proven that study after study shows that law enforcement and law officers do not actually think about the threat of being sued when performing their duties. It is actually not psychologically in their mind associated with not that or having legal accountability for those actions. The second justification used by the Supreme Court is that the qualified immunity protects police officers from being bankrupted by civil lawsuits. So that is the idea that if there was no qualified immunity, everyone would sue the police and therefore the individual police officers would therefore never be able to pay the damages that they were charged with. But that actually isn't a very good argument, as all of these arguments aren't, and that justification completely ignores the reality that police costs are never paid by the individual, they are almost always paid by police insurance or police unions, for example. So if the police were suddenly faced with many, many civil suits, civil lawsuits, it would never actually affect the individual police officer committing this wrongdoing. It would affect the police as an institution. 
Arguably, this would therefore see change in the way that they train their officers and the way they think about excessive force and police brutality. So, arguably, that would be a good thing. So, what can we do here? Where are we left in this situation? I think it's firstly important to realise that it is not some kind of coincidence that these cases of police brutality never lead to actual liability or enforcement or damages or compensation. The reason that they fail is because of the law and because the law is not fit for purpose. The definition of a clearly established precedent has been narrowed so much by the Supreme Court over the past 10 years that it always always almost never applies and because of that police officers in cases of police brutality excessive force are almost always never held accountable as put by justice sonia sotomayor qualified immunity sanctions a shoot fast think later approach This effectively completely undermines the point of constitutional protections, because even if your constitutional right under the US Constitution have been violated, this legal doctrine and the expansion of the application of it over the past 10 years has meant that it is almost impossible for a claimant to win. No matter the amount of evidence, no matter the lives lost, no matter the excessive force used, there is no way to win. It is so important that we continue learning and we continue educating ourselves. I had no idea any of this existed and it is so fundamental in protecting our rights and our protections as literal human beings. Late night Sunday Congressman Justin Amash revealed that he will introduce the End Qualified Immunity Act, which would eliminate, quote, permanent procedural roadblock for plaintiffs, end quote. This thwarts them from obtaining damages for having their rights violated. Having a qualified immunity would completely abolish and will bring an end to police brutality. And this hopefully will ensure that police officers think before abusing someone as they will legally be charged and sued without getting away with murder. Thank you for listening to my podcast and thank you for giving me time to express my beliefs and feelings about this topic. It is a little bit more emotional because we witness killings and murders on the street, so human emotion has to be involved. Once again, I am urging you to read, I'm urging you to listen to podcasts as you did to this one. Listen to many more, I will have them linked in the description of this podcast and thank you for listening. Let's fight racism, let's fight inequality together.